Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April twentieth, two thousand twenty-one. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, blazing it up, caffeine rage, and don't forget uh, the other co-host that I now can hear in the background, <laughs> my dog. Yay! On today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we played this week or over the last several weeks, in part at least. Amazon's Lord of the Rings MMO has been canceled. The Xbox controller drift lawsuit is to be settled out of court. Microsoft is building a new app store from Windows 10 in major revitalization effort. We'll have a brief community corner and a Steam discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's up? Uh, not too much. The ceiling is above me. I can't see past the ceiling, though. My x-ray vision is broken. Well, see, you need to go get another COVID shot. <laughs> oh, right. I need more superpowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right now, yeah, you're on the low side of, you know, of uh, functionality, so. Yeah. My, my superpower was to have an uh, average doctor's visit. Did that this week. Anyone who follows me on Twitter saw me tweet about my results too fat blood pressure slightly higher than it was but not like worryingly so uh everything else is more or less the same close enough that it i don't have to change anything Mm -hmm. including my eyes which is a miracle i figured they would be worse but they seemed to be okay so yay me slowing the the slow march of destruction on my body ever so slightly physical therapy is going well you know, at this point, I couldn't have told you like if, you know, couldn't tell based on my feelings that just a couple of weeks ago I was dead from all the pain. <laughs> so, yay me. What about you? Um, doing all right. My doctor's visit was about the same. Too fat. But yeah, right. <clears throat> yep. Very used to that by now. That's basically been, you know, at the top of the list for every, <clears throat> excuse me, every doctor's visit I've had for 10 years. Well, it would be good for you if you lost a little weight. It's like, yep. I know, Doc. Everyone has their vice, and I guess this one is mine now. Mm-hmm. Just to be fat. Because I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I play video games, and I eat delicious namis. And me, it's also coffee. Did they tell you you drink too much coffee? Uh, no, but they uh, specifically asked how much coffee I drink. Never mind that the fact that my blood pressure was actually really good. Yeah, nobody asked me how much coffee I drink. I wonder what they would say. It's like, how much co- Mr. Arthur, how much coffee do you drink? Yes. Well, uh, you know, one or two. Oh, one or two cups. That's good. No, 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 no. One Pots. or two pots a day. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, well, on days like today, you know, since we record late into the evening, uh... I typically have somewhere in the ballpark of two to three uh, mugs. Mind you, my mug for me is a 20 ounce uh, you know, travel mug now, uh, and which is about two thirds of a uh, pot over the course of a day. Yeah. But then for the evening recording, I'll either uh, get some of my cold brew or fire up the mocha pot. 
and make essentially an, a little espresso and then water it down to Americano. But it's still a lot stronger than what I usually drink. Yeah. I uh, It kind of varies. I haven't had any coffee this afternoon. Um, I had some tea earlier. So it's small or, you know, caffeine, but less than a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I drink, uh, let's see, my, my coffee mug. My, my go-to coffee mug is a 16-ounce mug. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a 32-ounce mug that I use from time to time. Yeah, my, tr- my true travel mug is a 30-ounce. Uh, but my uh, uh, Kerbal mug it had an unfortunate uh, incident with a flying saucer. <laughs> Indeed. But I was getting a plate out of the cabinet. I had just finished off a coffee, set it down on the uh, kitchen counter. I was making breakfast over the weekend. Uh, and a saucer slipped uh, off the stack and landed right on the mug. Didn't break the saucer, but the mug took a huge chunk out of the, the rim uh, and cracked down the side of it. So, yeah. So, uh, kind of irony, you know, Kerbal Space Program mug died to a flying saucer. <laughs> it's it's, be- it's I think it's poetic justice. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about just getting uh, another one printed because, you know, it wasn't an official one. I actually don't think there is official mugs. Or if there is, then, you know, they're likely very out of print at this point. You know, waiting for Kerbal Space Program 2. Right. Eventually... So, yeah, maybe, right? So I could have gotten another one printed, but uh, I was looking around on Amazon and uh, Walmart and Target, and you know, I was looking at cute and funny mugs, and maybe my sense of humor is just gone, but a lot of them just seemed mean-spirited at best, or just asshole-ish. Yeah, so update for you, because you know about this, but we weren't recording even with Craig when this was mentioned earlier. My uh, my friend responded to, when I told her Fable Three and Anniversary are coming to the, to Game Pass mm-hmm. later this month. Was well, that's it. I'm officially sold. <laughs> so there we go. I converted her. Woo! It took like two months of me constantly being like, "Yeah, you should get PC Game Pass." Which uh, beautiful segue that she provided me there uh, to talk about my first game, which I played using PC Game Pass, uh, Code Vein. So. Code Vein is um, basically anime Dark Souls, or well, anime vampire Dark Souls Light. Um, the uh, the Dark Souls Light por- portion, I guess I'll address first because I notoriously don't like Dark Souls and other Dark Souls like games. Um, I'm not a big fan of this of the combat, the difficulty that's attached to it. I'm not a big fan of um how high stakes every combat encounter is and how difficult boss fights are and things like that you know how easy it is to essentially lose progression or get stuck in a failure loop i'm not here for that um i totally recognize it's a valid genre for a lot of people but it's too much for me um the surge is the only other one in this genre that i've even remotely liked and that's because it's sci-fi and i'm a sucker for sci-fi uh, Code Vein deals with that problem straight away. So before I even talk about anything else about the game, which may sell you or may lose you, if you're someone who doesn't like Dark Souls and those types of games because they're too difficult, essentially, 
CodeVein provides a nice way to help deal with that in two ways. The first way is that it doesn't lock you in to a play style. So with Dark Souls, at the start of the game, you basically pick your class. And I'm sure that someone in the comments or is on Discord or on Twitter is going to be like, um, actually, Jared, you can do this to change up your whatever playstyle of the game. Like, no, fuck that. Like, if you're someone who doesn't know how to play and is learning, the game locks you into a playstyle at the beginning when you choose your class. Code Vein starts with three classes you can change from at, at will, and there are more you unlock as you play. And you can also mix and match certain aspects of the classes as well. So once you kind of get a feel for it, you can customize each of the classes or sort of create your own custom class that mixes and matches the different abilities from the classes. Um, So the first three that you get is sort of like a fighter that's melee based and then a ranger that is, well, uh, range based. Um, Their primary weapon is like a rifle. Um, So right away you get ranged attacks and then there's a uh, sorcerer class so the melee class is the most traditional dark souls although if you've played multiple games within the genre it's a little bit faster than dark souls so maybe more bloodborne in terms of how fast the combat is and then the range character the melee aspect like if you use your rifle for melee attacks or switch to your secondary weapon um which is can be a melee weapon um you know, then you can get in melee combat, but the gun itself has got a, a good range, um, and most guns have primary and secondary fires, so you get options with that. And then the sorcerer, their primary attacks use magic, of, of course, based on you know sorcerer. Um, and so they tend to do the mo- the most burst damage with magic, but they're kind of the weakest, um, so you are incentivized to play them ranged, anyways. Um, certain weapons are specialized to a class, but there's a lot of sort of generic melee and ranged weapons. So you can mix and match within your class. So right away you get options and you can change them at will. You just get to sort of a safe spot, go into the pause menu, change out your class. If you want to play with something different, um, the classes have got some other differences as well. Like the fighter class has the most health by default, whereas the, uh, sorcerer has the most magic available to them by default. But you know, you can mix and match, so you can find something that works for you. The other thing that the game does to completely change up the dynamic for for the uh, the difficulty of it is that other than the first, I don't know, 30 minutes of the single-player game, you get a, a companion, um, and it, it can be another person that can, like, drop in and play that companion, although it would be their own character, or you just get an AI companion, and the AI is either smart or more likely they cheat um, and your AI companion seems to have infinite health um, potions uh, or infinite. The AI cheat? Never. Yeah, but they, they seem to have the an infinite, like they don't, I've never seen my AI companion die or even go down to have to be revived. Like they always seem to manage to at the last second pop a health potion and then get back in the fight. So, um, Having an AI companion really helps. You you start with just one, but pretty quickly you unlock some different ones that favor, you know, one type of class or one class over another one. And so you can pick one to complement your style, whatever it is. And they can also be switched at will as long as you're at this game's equivalent of a bonfire. Um, 
so that you know they can be switched at will at those positions. So if you're trying one and it doesn't work, just go back to a bonfire or at your next one, just change them out. So those two things right there make the game way more playable and forgiving. Um, there have been plenty of times where I was pretty sure I was about to die and my AI companion saved me or healed me. Um, you know, either saved me from the enemy that was about to kill me or healed me. I tend to play the ranged characters more. Just they, they, I'm not fast enough or I don't know, smart enough to play a melee character in this type of game, but ranged, I can play pretty well, just dodge and shoot or dodge and cast spells. Um, so typically I pick one of the melee focused companions and have them sort of cover that. Also there is meat shield. Yeah, I get a meat shield. Um, Unless you got the midget, then it's a meat popcorn. <laughs> but those, but the, you know, those two aspects of the game make it extremely playable and friendly to someone who is not, uh, you know, good at Dark Souls games, but you know, likes the idea of them. Um, and that's that's what's kept me going. The theme. So to swing back to the uh, anime vampire portion of this, the theme is interesting. Um, and I like it, but if this was a more traditional souls like game, the theme wouldn't be enough to keep me engaged with it. Um, a lot of vampire sort of fantasy, standard fantasy stuff, a couple of different things. instead of it being sunlight that hurts vampires, there's some kind of weird chemical in the air. Um, that makes them sparkle, right? Not quite. Um, it slowly essentially drives them crazy so that they lose control of themselves. And that's what makes them devour humans. Otherwise, like vampires do want human blood to be able to sustain them. But there's, you know, some fantasy tropes about like a vampire queen who created some. Who steps on people? Absolutely. Who steps on people who created some kind of um, this like plant that uh, grows like these blood vials that they can drink that means they don't have to sustain themselves with humans. And you're the chosen one who can restore the restore them after the queen has died. Um, So, you know, that all that trope, you know, that's that's pretty tropey in and of itself. Uh, It's very anime. You can have, uh, you know, your big boob waifu or you can make, uh, you know, your sundere or, you know, you could play a very handsome, cute boy. There's a bajillion costumes. Playing it on Game Pass, a lot of the cosmetic stuff is unlocked. Like, very clearly, these would have been, like, themed DLC packs that you have access to through Game Pass. There's a few things that were locked away that I saw. Um, but, I mean, there are hundreds or perhaps thousands of combinations that you could do. Essentially, there's like a certain number of set outfits that ha- eat, that have customizable components to them. Um, so, you know, bucklers and metal armor pieces and, uh, you know, shoulder pads for days, or you could go for like a more sort of, uh, you know, 21st century, like punk look, or you could do like uh, a shadow punk thing or a steampunk thing. Or very like hardcore anime, like you know, bright green flowy hair and neon anywhere, everywhere, and things like that. Like 
I mean, the sky's the limit. And there's also like themed stuff around holidays. You get Christmas stuff, Halloween stuff. Um, those those are the big popular ones. I think there's some stuff for Valentine's Day. You can do a bunny outfit if you want to be a bunny girl or a cat girl or, you know, so on and so forth. Like bajillion anime theme styled customization options with colors and all the way down to like fabric textures or different types of metal um, and metal sheens and, and whatnot for, for your armor. So customization options for days. That's awesome. You know, uh, the, the anime theme, I really like vampire stuff is pretty cool. And I mean, it is pretty tropey in terms of like traditional vampire stuff. There are a few things that it does different, like I said, but um, I mean, overall, like, I think I would recommend this to anyone who wants to play a Dark Souls-like game, but is bad at Dark Souls. Uh, I, I don't... I've played through the first few areas um, and haven't run into anything that I couldn't handle. Like, especially if if you go slow um, and give yourself a chance to react, your AI partner will will be able to uh, save your ass most of the time when you get in trouble. And that's cool. Um, I totally understand if someone who does play and enjoy Dark Souls a lot, they might not like this because it really is like I said, a lot easier. And for most people to draw for Dark Souls is the difficulty. But, um, you know, this is a game that is very friendly for people who are not good at Dark Souls. And I like it, and I'm going to keep playing it. It's a good game. Code Vein. Um, if you buy it on Steam, it's like 60 bucks for the base game. But currently, it is on Game Pass. So, I have played it there. So, uh, on to more crazy combat with me diving back into RimWorld. Because I mentioned uh, during the game club that this was my reward for suffering through Fallout, or Far Cry, was... Actually, Fallout might be there as well these days. But that's beside the point. Uh, For suffering through Far Cry, and I decided to pick up RimWorld, and I got the DLC for it, finally. Which is the Royalty DLC. Essentially, it adds nobility to the game. Uh, the it adds a, an additional faction that's essentially this intergalactic empire that you could carry favor with, and it offers an additional way to finish the game. Essentially, where uh, uh, originally there's two main ways uh, before you get to mods on how to finish the game, and I use sarcasm quotes in that one. Either you build a ship. Or you travel across the planet to get to a ship and you start up the reactor and essentially try to just hold on while the ship powers up and yep, does its checks for, I think it's several days before you could get off planet. Well, this adds another one where if you carry enough favor with this uh, group, you're able to essentially host uh, the royalty of uh, this empire and they'll take you off planet. And also it adds, well, the ability that's for the player controlled uh, uh, colony as well, where as you gain uh, honor with this group, and this is on an individual person basis, it's not as an overarching uh, faction uh, as each individual colonist gains uh, favor. 
they start being granted titles. And depending, one, on just how your uh, colonist's uh, deposition is, if they are considered conceited, if they are arrogant or uh, abrasive with others, they might, as they climb the ranks, start refusing to do certain tasks. They might get more demanding. Uh, If they're more down-to-earth, they still have some things that they have to uh, be given. Uh, you know, nicer clothes, better bedrooms, uh, be able to get a throne room, that sort of thing. But it's not as crazy. And it unlocks essentially what is force powers, uh, if you want to go the Star Wars route. <laughs> and uh, they counterbalance it with uh, a, essentially a heat gauge. So each person essentially has a mana that they could generate uh, through meditation. And uh, to make it so that you just can't spam them if you have uh, something that's low uh, mana requirement or focus requirement, as they call it. Uh, There's a heat gauge that as you use them, it builds up heat until you might cook your brain if you're not careful. And some of them are very mundane, uh, and they're granted randomly. Essentially, the way they play it in the lore is that uh, this... uh, Side field that is throughout the universe, you know, definitely not the force, right? Right. Uh, they're able to tap into it through technology, and every person reacts slightly differently. So you're granted a random uh, side power out of the pool of different powers, and some of them are, you know, very mundane. Like, uh, you might be able to, uh, well, one of the one that that pops up uh, quite a bit on my colonist is chunk skip, where you're able to grab chunks of rock from nearby and move them to a location to create a cover. Uh, there's solar pinholes where you create a, essentially a microscopic uh, wormhole to a nearby star to create light and heat. And I did bought in the essentially an icy version of that as well. Because of course, this is all moddable as well, and there's a lot of mods that tie into the royalty DLC. And of course, I'm running them because I'm crazy like that. Uh, there's ones that will uh, allow you to turn invisible. And oh, and by the way, attacking does not break invisibility. So you might want to be careful pissing off that faction if they send uh, you know, a kill squad after you. Uh, and it's tends to be limited to that faction about who has uh, side powers, by the way. I have encountered some people that have had uh, low-level powers, but it's been extremely rare because there's uh, essentially a rebel faction as well that could also pop up that has uh, uh, essentially stolen their technology. And I've also had it where the... Uh, the item that is used to grant the new side powers have uh, shown up as crest rewards, which means that they could also be stolen or they could also be you know, uh, given to bandits that could be used, which would grant them a random power as well. And from what I've seen, the AI is actually pretty good about handling these different powers. And there's, you know, you start to get some really interesting ones like bullet shields, um, I'm just reading off the main page. Uh, 
full on stuns, uh, teleporting across the world, uh, which is a very high power one and uh, is, yeah, it takes a lot of focus and uh, could uh, lead to a coma. There's uh, ones that um, uh, essentially uh, a uh, forced suggestion where it makes people happier, where it makes people trust them easier to be able to recruit them, makes them so that they're more creative, makes it so that you could uh, stop mental breaks. And this is just one aspect of the game, uh, of the expansion. They also added in uh, the, well, the quest system, I believe, is in the base game, but uh, the expansion is what really fleshes it out. So you have... uh, uh, you could have a faction request to for you to build a monument uh, on your map uh, for whatever reason. I've had it where uh, a faction was trying to get me to build a monument to make fun of another faction for their dietary <laughs> uh, choices. And I'm not joking. That's actually what they said. And it would also prompt them to attack it. And if the monument gets destroyed, I fail the quest. But it also leads into some interesting uh, back and forth between the different factions. Uh, There's times that you might have uh, prisoners uh, thrust upon you in a quest. All these are optional, by the way, where uh, you have to hold on to a prisoner for so many days uh, because they might have some dirt on this faction or they might have, uh, uh, yeah, uh, be a political prisoner and they need to be hidden away for a bit. Uh, a shuttle might crash uh, as part of another quest. Uh, they're requesting a, an emergency permission to do an emergency landing and they'll get attacked and you have to protect the shuttle occupants, which is often nowhere near where your primary defenses are. So you have to go out and uh, help them. And it does a lot to really break up the monotony of the game. Because that's one problem that RimWorld really faced is that once you get past the you know, how to work the game, it becomes very samey. So you could get it where you know uh, the beginning of the game is pretty much always the same. You know, uh, do this, uh, research this. Well, now you might have a quest that pops up that will give you a really good reward, but it's a very you know, uh, big risk. Uh, you might have uh, a bunch of uh, uh, refugees uh, uh, request to you know, hang out at your base for you know, a couple weeks, uh, which will give you extra manpower to be able to build up, uh, but they might betray you. Or you might have it where uh, the local faction wants you to you know, uh, host someone for the next you know, couple uh, weeks. And if they get killed, you know, it puts you in hot water with that faction. Uh, it's... Uh, does a lot to, like I said, break up the monotony, introduce more moving parts without making things crazy. Well, crazier, I guess I should say. And uh, one other thing that they add is just different Imperial texts. And I'm happy to read this from the uh, main page because of where you run with so many mods, you eventually start to, okay, now what was it from the mod again? And what was uh, the actual game? Right. So... Uh, they introduced jump packs where you could uh, jump over uh, walls, which actually makes it so that the old way of playing where you just essentially wall off your colony is less effective. Plasma swords, 
um, different armors. Uh, and actually, the one of the more interesting thing uh, that they added is persona weapons. So it's essentially a melee weapon with a built-in AI that has its own personality that will essentially bond to one person. And they could get, well, here, here's some of the ones from the list. They could get jealous. So the weapon doesn't like it when you use any weapon except themselves. Uh, the weapon might be a little bit you know, bloodthirsty. So if it hasn't killed anyone in a while, it'll uh, get uh, upset. Uh, it might be a free wielder. So it doesn't actually bond with someone. So anyone can use it, which is actually really useful. Um, it might uh, make the person... Uh, essentially immune to pain altogether. It might make them uh, kill happy. So whenever they kill someone that uh, they would actually get a happy thought or a, ha- a happy uh, moodlet uh, when they otherwise might uh, not, uh, they might affect your psychic sensitivity, uh, both positive or negatively, which interacts with the psi powers, the essentially the force powers, because some of them are based off of your sensitivity like uh, a stun, if you're very sensitive, will uh, affect for a lot longer. But if your sensitivity is down or zero, it either won't affect you very long or not at all. Mm-hmm. So a lot of new things that they added. And this is before you even start to get to the mods that uh, add uh, additional, do more things with the mech clusters, which is a new uh, mechanic as well, where the mechanoids will not just attack, but they'll actually uh, build up a small base that you have to fight off. And they'll uh, be able to poison the air, darken the sky if they're not careful. Uh, they'll call in reinforcements uh, with beacons. They'll uh, uh, have alarm systems of different types if you're not careful. They have turrets and mortars and different walls. Uh, they might have a factory where they'll build reinforcements over uh Tom, if you don't take it out quickly. And this is all just the expansion before you start getting to mods. It's well worth the price of entry, in my opinion. It's 20 bucks, which is yeah, one of the more expensive uh, uh, ones, considering that RimWorld itself is... Well, uh, well, I actually bought it before it went to full price, so it's 35 now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was about to say RimWorld is about the same price, but it's actually not because I got it, like I said, in early access before they upped the price on me. So it is a bit expensive to get the entire pack. If you don't have RimWorld itself, I would say get it first and toy around with it. But it's a good Dwarf fortress light game, and this just adds more things and uh, it really addresses a lot of the problems to the uh, to the base game that was otherwise there. So, any questions? I don't think so. Eventually, I'll play RimWorld. Yeah, I think you would really like it. It's just, uh, it has a bit of a learning curve. Well, it's also one of those games that you could set up and just pause every so often and uh, do your thing during the day. Mm -hmm. And what Royalty really does is it adds additional things that you could do outside of just build up your uh, 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 pace. You know, you you could... Uh, throw yourself a bit of a challenge and have that arrogant jerk uh, build up his title. Or uh, once you get past the first title, the first title is actually free. So if you do enough of the quests, you get to have everybody with one saw power. But 
as you essentially progress through uh, the titles, they get more demanding. Uh, they might uh, require specialized clothing. They might require a, a specialized throne room, a more glamorous throne room. But there's also uh, trade-offs. One, you get more side powers, and your overall ability to use them increases with each rank. And, oh, that's something else is that you get essentially a, a favor with uh, that faction. So uh, starting at the second rank, you get essentially a point that you can put in to uh, have – I'm trying to remember what they actually call it uh, in the game. Uh, but it's essentially a talent tree where uh, my highest uh, titled person could call in a uh, trooper squad from them. For free every 40 days. So essentially once a year. And if I try to use it while I'm on cooldown, it costs honor because, you know, I'm relying on them too much. So you could kind of game that system as well to have additional forces at on standby. Uh, you could have it where they'll drop uh, resources to you. Money, medical supplies, food uh, for different reasons. There, there's a lot of changes to what they could uh, what you could uh uh with what you could do with uh, how you play and make it really a lot more of a reactive game instead of just sitting and hiding behind a kill box which now you really can't because <laughs> right you, they got jump jets yeah i think that was uh probably the best thing that this game that this expansion does is it it doesn't remove uh kill boxes entirely but it makes it them less effective so i don't feel like i have to wall off immediately anymore you know i could uh, set up a uh, uh, a couple defensive positions around my base and be more reactive you know be able to use different powers to stun uh have it where my characters are in the dark but the, they're in the light uh, through the different pinhole uh Side powers so that uh, they get uh, a, essentially a debuff to incoming fire. Uh, one of the mods I have installed makes it so that uh, incoming uh, raiders are a little less suicidal. So if they get hurt badly enough, they'll try to t run for cover or even retreat entirely, which makes things also more reactive. And honestly, I think that should be base game. I do get that some people will say that this game is, or this expansion is very expensive for what it is. And yeah, it is. If you're not running with enough mods uh, to kind of tweak things here and there to your personal liking. But overall, I do think that it is well worth it. So yeah. Cool beans. Uh, so I got one other one to talk about this week. Uh, I played a weird one. At first, I thought this was a joke. It's called Trader Life Simulator. I, I was gift or given a copy of this like every great once in a while. I go check out Keymailer mm. and just see like because devs will give keys to people. Like I, I quit requesting keys a long time ago. I stopped getting anything I requested. Um, but every once in a while, a dev will send out a bunch of keys, and it's like, here, try my game. It's cool. And so I got a key for this, and I was like, huh, this looks. I, I don't know, maybe interesting. Um, so I thought it was a joke, but the developer seems to be taking it very seriously. It's a first-person 
quote unquote simulator of running a, a small shop in a small town in like Eastern Europe, I think. Um, not a hundred percent sure where it is, but it's got all of the simulator tropes. You've got a, a hunger meter and a thirst meter and a, you know, a bathroom, uh, like you got to go pee and take a shower and all of those things. And you've got a little shop and you buy goods and set them up in your shop and people come and purchase the goods. And then you can use the money to upgrade your shop and to get better, nicer products um, and other things for like your house. You can get a better car. You can eventually get upgrades like a delivery truck. Um, You can hire additional staff to, in essence, restock the store. Um, You start out, though, with like basically none of that stuff. You, You start out with like a kind of a shitty car that's like a hatchback. So you can put some stuff in the back to transport around. Um and like a, a bare bones house and a store with no shelves or anything. But you you do get like a few basic things. Like you get some starting goods to sell and like a couple of shelves or something that you can assemble and uh put in your shop. I mean it's kind of charming in how like janky it is and how like kind of ugly it is, but also kind of how like nice and clean you can make everything look. I don't know. I have so many mixed feelings on this game. I played it for a little while, a couple of hours, got through the first few in game days, got sort of my initial shop set up and, and selling and making some money. And then I stopped. Um, I, I played this like four or five weeks ago, like right before, um, we had to to cancel a couple of of shows because of my brokenness, and then we did the game club, so I couldn't talk about it. And then before then, we did the other game club. So, like, I've had this one sitting for a little while to play, and they've had four updates since I played it last that adds like electronics and nice furniture, and like you can get a TV and set it up in your house or in the shop, and basically play YouTube videos on the TV. I don't. They added like a, a sports car. Which I guess is nice, but driving is horrendous in this game. It's faster than walking, but it's you know the the car is not very responsive. It's it's just there to help you like carry things around easier. I don't know. I have so many mixed feelings about this game. Like like I said, I thought it was a joke, and then I played it, and it's janky and kind of bad, but also kind of charming in a way. I don't know. It's it's got. Everything about it does feel tedious. So, and and maybe when you get a little bit farther and get the delivery truck and some more employees, it becomes less tedious. But it's like you go in for the first day, you unpack each and every one of the boxes with the goods in them. You set them up in the store, either by throwing them on the floor or setting up the basic shelves that it gives you. And you you have to manually pick up each item and place it on the shelf in the way that you want it to be. And then you go to one of the supply stores and you purchase goods to sell in your store. So you can purchase, you know, foodstuffs, basic necessities, things like soap or shampoo and conditioner or like baby diapers or um, coffee and tea foodstuffs. Now there's electronics. You you could buy some other stuff too to sell. Um, 
And it's like, you just do that every day. Like it's, there's some business management assets to it. Like you've got a loan initially and you pay that off. And like I said, you can upgrade your shop. You can hire more employees to do more and more of the mundane tasks for you. You've got your own personal home that you can change and upgrade. But I don't know. I, like I said, I've said twice now or three times. I have very conflicting feelings about this game. Yeah, it looks like uh, he has several others that are pretty much the same game, only with a different skin on it. Let's see, what are the other games? I did not look uh, at Bakery Shop Simulator, which looks very much like this one. Factory Runner. Full uh, Restaurant Simulator. Yeah, looks... Pretty sim- similar concept, huh? Yeah, I mean, getting this game for free, like it was an, it, you know, it was kind of a novelty. If I had paid more than five bucks for this, I think I would be disappointed, like very disappointed. I mean, on the bright side, from what I can tell from the screenshots, like what you see is what you get. It doesn't feel like they're selling, at least from the screenshots, this game is, you know, under false pretense. I mean, there's, I guess, you know, you're in a small town. There's other stuff you can go, like, check out, like other stores and banks and a select small number of people you can interact with. Um, but it, it, they are functionally, like, menus. You interact with someone, and it's like just having a menu. It's not like you can have, like, conversations and build relationships with these people. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you have heard me talk about this and are like, huh, that's mildly interesting. Like, I'm sure eventually it'll go on sale. It released in February, so I don't think it's had a sale yet. Uh, it looks like it was on sale for 10 bucks at one point. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this game isn't worth anything more than 5 but maybe you feel a deep connection to this game by looking at the screenshots and listening to me talk about it, in which case, sure, 10 bucks. If you're really, really, really into the concept of this game, it's probably worth 10 bucks. But if you're not, and you're thinking of it more than a novelty, definitely don't pay more than five. Get this as close to free as possible. I know uh, this is definitely not the same developer, but this has sort of a vibe to it that reminds me of My Summer Car. Just the way everything is setting, you know? I've never seen My Summer Car. Is it on Steam? Yeah. At least I don't think I've seen My Summer Car. Uh, It's like right up your alley. It, oh, it's, okay. It's this. Uh, it's still an early access. It's the same type of game, only uh, it's the '80s, and you're uh, building race cars. Yeah, this looks uh, pretty cool. And the thing is that it is actually very realistic on how the engines are built with uh, carbureted engines. By the way, nice. I'm surprised you didn't know about this because this is like right up your alley. Uh, I think it was Argyle. Well, when I saw it, I recognized it. I think it probably showed up on one of our uh, discovery queues at one point, mm-hmm. and I had just forgotten about it. But yeah, it looks now this looks cool. My, I might buy this and check it out. Yeah, I would say it's probably uh, really worth it, especially for you being, like I said, a car guy. Yeah. Uh, there is the, you know, random, you know, simulator, you know, survival stuff. And you have to, you know, do essentially odd jobs to build up money to, at, at the very beginning of the game, to be able to afford your summer car, right? Or your, the first one of many, I might say. 
Right. Uh, it, which includes, you know, you know, pumping septic tanks. Because, of course, right? Woo. Gross job. Somebody's got to do it, but it's mm-hmm. gross. You mean a shitty job? hi Actually, uh, oh, it looks like they had an update uh, just on uh, April 1st. So it's still a very active development, it seems. That's good. I'll be sure to check that out in the future at some point. Or just completely uh, forget about it. Or just completely forget about it again. So, uh, yeah, that does it for games we played this past week, at least ones that we're going to talk about. I have several more, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. talk about, you know, seven games today or whatever. Yeah, I have a couple more in the queue, but uh, I had controller issues, and one of them is pulling teeth if you uh, aren't running a controller with it. Because, right? Right. So, on to the news. Indeed, to the news. Our first news topic of the evening. Amazon's Lord of the Rings MMO has been canceled. Amazon just can't get a break with gaming, can they? No, gaming or Lord of the Rings. I mean, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but Amazon had a uh, TV or, you know, streaming series, whatever, in the works that was uh, the young Aragorn, and that got pulled earlier this year. Yeah, which I hadn't really heard about, but right. Yeah. So this is a somewhat non-story, but also kind of a big story, is that... Essentially, they lost their rights to the game when uh, the company that they were working with was bought out by Tencent. And Tencent basically could not reach a deal with Amazon to be able to continue uh, the development of the game. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little troubling that Tencent is behind this, though, isn't it? Yeah. They've had some issues with their games, huh? Yeah, Tencent is uh, not a good company. I mean, I guess it's kind of an oxymoron to be a good company, but Tencent is further along the list. They're closer to the EAs of the world. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they purchased the original uh, collaborator, Layu, and uh, essentially talks broke down. Which, do, do we really need another Lord of the Rings MMO? Because isn't the other one still active? I think Lord of the Rings Online is still, well, online. Uh, yeah. At least it was. I, yeah, I know that they went free to play ages ago, which, you know, has its own issues. Yeah, it looks like it's still active. But it looks like it's, uh, they're in maintenance right now because, of course, they are. Yeah. I mean, Lord of the Rings Online is a very, very, very dated game, though. That's the thing. Yeah. I remember playing it in college, and it was old then. Um, According to this, it was on Steam, or released... According to Steam, it was released June 6, 2012, but I know that's not right. Uh, Initial release date, uh, April 24, 2007. Yeah. And honestly, it looks dated for a 2007 game. I mean, I realize MMO, you immediately take a negative multiplier to the graphic fidelity for the most part. But uh, just some of the character models are a little bit, eh, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at this, you could definitely uh, see either MMO or very early 2000s game. Let's see. Is it? Uh... Which, uh, 
are they going to do a Star Wars Galaxies with this? This and whenever you know, if they get another uh, Lord of the Rings Online game going, just shut this down to be able to shift uh, the player base because that's what happened with the uh, Star Wars Galaxies and the Old Republic. That Star Wars Galaxies came out way before Old Republic came out, or, or part of the reason. Uh, huh. Now I'm following a rabbit hole of news articles about Lord of the Rings Online. So, apparently, the I don't know, when is this article from? December 7th, 2020. So, and, apparently... Uh, and, by the way, I, I was right. About uh, what? Shutdown date uh, for Star Wars Galaxies, December 15th, 2011. The Old Republic initial release date, December 20th, 2011. Interesting. I thought, uh, I mean, this is just, I guess, me misremembering, but I thought Galaxies shut down... Well, you might remember uh, one of the major downturns when they you know, basically redid the game. Perhaps. But, uh, but anyway, your rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, this article is from December of last year saying that Lotro is getting a graphical overhaul in sort of concert with a new game. So I wonder if they were going to be understanding or mis- miscommunication or if I couldn't imagine there being two at the same time. I don't know. Sending it and really thinking about it. If you start to get to some of the extended lore, you could focus the games in different areas. They think of The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. You don't get into some of the sites. Very, 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 the extreme gets into. Yeah, like the Silmarillion and Luthien and Mm -hmm. some of those. So, So there is room in the lore, but yo, I would be me in the last you know, decade oh, for some reason. Like he's a yeah. decade behind the times. All right, let's get an MMO out there for all these, and, and, all these properties. Gundabad? Gundabad? Casadum. Ancients of Drain Complex. Similar. So it was going to be a different one then. Huh. So it was supposed to be uh, the events of the main trilogy. And it looks like it was going to be a different mm-hmm. game. I don't know. There were two real-time strategy. No, three real-time strategy games. There was the one for the first Lord of the Rings was kind of. Then there was the uh, there was one that was like Battlefront, mm-hmm. but it was a Lord of the Rings. It was Lord of the Rings games. It was like Battlefront. Don't forget the card game as well that okay. we played. There was Lord of the Rings card game we played. There was a JRPG style Lord of the Rings game. Um which I really like. I really enjoyed that game. Um, I've bought it a couple of times, actually. Uh, let's see. Is that everything? I mean, there was the, you know, the, the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, so that's mm-hmm. 12. I'm, I've counted 12 Lord of the Rings games so far. Well, I, I just found uh, on thegamer.com uh, from... Actually, this was updated April 7th of this year. Every single Lord of the Rings game officially ranked, and there's 32 of them. Oh, yeah, though, there were the Game Boy games for each of the movies. There was a PSP game that was like a tactics strategy game. Uh, there was a text based game back in the 80s. I didn't know about that one. Uh, several mobile games. I think Lord of the Rings is a lot like Star Wars in terms of like what happened to the franchise. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember, like in the mid two thousands, there were a lot 
a lot of, I mean, there's, I, I think there's probably more Star Wars games than all the Reigns games, but just, you know, some, from my direct memory, there were a lot of Star Wars games in the mid 2000s and some of them were good and some of them were bad and, you know, but there were a lot of them and then it dried up in the 2010s, probably because of like with Star Wars, it was because the EA got exclusive access to the license. I bet Lord of the Rings had some similar licensing issues or something like that. Like, or, or I think the uh, license holders just got greedy with it because I never heard about any exclusivity on it. Yeah. Neither did I. And that would have been a big thing. So there's more than I think we were thinking of, but most of them are older. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that's really coming out uh, right now is the Gollum game, which is still at least a year away. Yeah. The uh the JRPG one is was called Lord of the Rings the Third Age. Mm-hmm. I believe Lord of the Rings the Third Age. Yes. I loved this game. I kind of I want to go yeah, play here, it. Now. I'll I'll send you this link so you can take a look at it as well. Uh where it has them all ranked. I'm Yeah, the Third Age is actually on here. It's ranked 28th. Yeah, the, the Third Age is like you follow are are following the characters, the main characters through their big adventures in all three movies. And you're like a secondary party that mimics them. And I'll also add this to the show notes because, uh, there's some very, very old ones. Yeah. Oh shit. I forgot the, uh, the Lego games. Yeah. There's Lego games. That's why I was saying that I think it's more the, uh, the, uh, rights holders getting greedy. Yeah. And I didn't even think about, well, I mean, I, I did think about them, but I didn't list the Hobbit stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they rank uh, Lord of the Rings Online as the best one, which I could see that, actually, you know, since it's a continuing story. Yeah. And honestly, really the only new content that's been out for quite a while. But Battle for Middle Earth, The Hobbit 1982, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where everything is made up of like three colors, but there's the Lord of the Rings, the third age. That's probably what you're thinking about, Uh, which, oh, that, that one's ranked 10th. So that's the JRPG esque one. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, the third age. So good. I I had it on Xbox twice. I had it once and then I got rid of it and then I bought it again and played it, uh, three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. I think I've still got it in there in my cabinet. Xbox emulation, here I come. Or backwards compatibility, rather. Yeah. Okay, what's, oh, what oh, did they oh, get right Hang on, hang on. Online. Is it, it looks like it was also available on Steam for a while. What was? The Third Age? Yeah. Ooh. So, Yarg? Because it doesn't look like it's being sold anywhere anymore. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't see it on here. But I, I might, uh, yeah, I might raise the Jolly Roger. If I don't have it in there in my cabinet, which I may or may not. Actually, um, hang on. It, it, it's rather confusing because it looks like it may have been on Steam, but it may not have been. Uh, but it was on PlayStation 2, and you could easily emulate that these days. Ooh, I didn't know it was on PS2. I knew, like like I said, I had it on Xbox. But that makes sense. The Xbox, the original Xbox and PS2 were same generation console. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's any differences. Wow, people are still selling it for 50 bucks on eBay. Nope. Yarg. Indeed. All right. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's 
we are technic. This is probably the most technically we've been close to the original topic while going on a tangent. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's move on to our next news topic. All right. So uh, the Xbox controller drift lawsuit to be settled out of court. So hey, you might get a whole five dollars uh, for your uh, controller issues, right? Yeah. I I saw some stuff like somebody posted a Reddit post the other day that was like an email of like lawyers were looking to get Xbox controllers for people or from people and they were offering like a small sum of money for their controller. Like everyone was saying it was above board. I don't know. I didn't look too too deeply into it. Like to me, it felt kind of scammy. But people were like, no, no, this is them gathering evidence to present in court like and i'm like whatever but like i saw something about this recently like people were talking about sending their controllers into this law firm that was doing the lawsuit that was maybe two or three weeks ago yeah and this is xbox one controllers mind you not 360 like mine actually has a little bit of drift on it but actually you know it's very very old so that's kind of to be expected at some point right well, the main problem, actually, it's hitting all three of the major consoles now, isn't it? Because I know PlayStation's having issues with it as well. Well, the Switch had issues with <laughs> console drift or with joystick drift. Yeah. And the and the Catalyst is partly all three of them. Uh, the Xbox, whatever the hell they're calling it now, uh, uh, PlayStation 5 and Switch all use the same base component for the joystick and they just have different parts added onto it and these have very finite lifespans and honestly they're kind of cheaping out on them because uh, i I did a little bit of research on this uh watching some uh people talking about it and they were saying that uh based off uh how you play the with them you could see uh the light the the manufacturer's suggested lifespan of that joystick go through in a few months if you're like a hardcore call of duty player and if uh, you're more uh, light on it you're uh, you expand it by a few months if you're uh and they basically had different tiers of uh, of life expectancy for it so i definitely see how you're seeing some of these uh, playstation 5s already having issues since a lot of it is tied to the joystick and to yeah uh, the uh, the thumbstick button as well. Yeah, I uh, the thing that I some stuff that I was seeing um, was uh, four to five hundred hours of playtime. Yeah, which... that's uh, that's what uh, this one said, and that's with uh, hardcore Call of Duty uh, gameplay as a base. Yeah, which four to five hundred hours. I mean, if if gaming is your primary hobby, you could easily spend twenty to forty hours a week playing video games, which would be anywhere from ten to twenty weeks, and then you break your controller. I mean, that's not even six months, or not before you break your controller, but before it breaks on you, before it you starts know? having drift issues. Yeah, and while there are band aid fixes, you're starting to get into play, uh, you know territory where it starts to become. Beyond the average consumer's ability to uh, to repair it, because you're looking at several solder joints, uh, depending on the controller, of course. Uh, not an easy way to get into the controller to fix it. 
uh, recalibrating only can do so much if it's uh, going outside of the dead zone. Uh, essentially, uh, the joystick has a small area in the very center where it says, okay, well, there's no actual input coming from it. But if the stick is drifting outside of that, then, yeah, it's going to register a false input. Yeah. You have to be really careful with dead zone fine-tuning as well, because too much dead zone, even by only one or two percentage points, can make your controller, or can make your joystick feel unresponsive. Or, or, or overly twitchy. Or overly twitchy, yeah. No, that's an issue I've ran into with multiple flight sticks, is adjusting the dead zone for certain games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes like- it only takes one or two percentage points, and it's all out of whack. Yeah, that's why I really like uh, DS for Windows is that I could go in and do some hardcore tuning and also see exactly where my joysticks uh, are in relation to the dead zone so I could get as small a dead zone as possible for my you know, tastes. Yeah, so I've I've had controllers with drift issue in the past. But never, you know, it, it would be because of age. Like I think about, you know, older controllers I've had for like Xbox 360 or a couple of my old Xbox One controllers. Like my day one edition controller from when I bought my Xbox One in 2013, it, it's having problems with the face buttons. Like I've mentioned that before on the show and I mentioned to you a couple of times. Fortunately, no joystick drift issues. But I mean, this controller is eight years old, roughly at this point and it has been used and abused heavily so it's held up really well i would i would be mad if my controller broke within six months although that would be within the warranty period obviously i don't you know i'm not a lawyer i don't understand what makes something qualify to be a class action lawsuit like you know i don't i don't know what criteria need to be met and there's probably guides out there that explain it. I haven't watched any right now. Uh, time to get legal eagle on the phone. Time to get legal eagle. I'm gonna send legal eagle a uh, message on the YouTube's. Uh, and be like, hey. Uh, then he responds, "Why are you contacting me? We talked about this already. You have a restraining order. Uh, I gave you your money. You you've got the restraining order. Why are you contacting me? But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see." I suspect this is going to be one of those things. It's like, if you are affected, send proof of your purchase to such and such and get, you know, $5 or whatever. And the lawyers will get most of the settlement money. That's how class action lawsuits always go. Yeah. Uh, And that's really the sad thing. Uh, When there was the class action for uh, uh, AMD chips, I was able to get in on that because... Uh, I had that particular uh, processor and I got, I think I got a whole like 15 bucks. Right. Yep. Speaking of controller issues, uh, I know I mentioned this to you. I don't think I said it on recording, but uh, my weird issue I was having with my Xbox controller that I bought, um, they uh, agreed to fix. Uh, I was worried because I bought it, um, you know, from someone on eBay, but they're they're like a reseller of Mm -hmm. like, refurbished controllers yeah and uh, they were like yeah we just need you to send some kind of like proof for this um so i made you know recorded a quick video on my phone and messaged it to him through ebay it was like yeah here's what it's doing i was like i think this is what it is like i think there's an issue with the uh, power circuitry like something's not being connected well and when i mess with it like this way like it gets a good connection um but then it you know it stops like and if you can fix it under warranty 
or, you know, as like an RMA or whatever, you know, I would, that would be great. And they agreed to do it. They were like, yeah, and we'll get you a label, send it back to us. We'll fix it, send it back mm-hmm. to you. So good for them. I'm, uh, I'm going to shill for them. Uh, MDB Electronics on eBay. So there you go. Yeah, I had a little bit of a controller issue lately. And I think it's uh, when Logitech's G-Hub updated, it interfered with the virtual controller that uh, DS for Windows uses. Uh, so I fiddled around with the output uh, tab on it, and it eventually just fixed itself. So I think it was uh, interference between the two. Yeah. Which I'm not terribly happy with how uh, Logitech's uh, software handles things, because it's cumbersome and... Uh, annoying at times uh, i much prefer their older software but uh, it doesn't it's not supported anymore and i don't think my keyboard is a supported keyboard which is irritating for the old software so i can't go back to it yeah there's just no way to quickly switch uh, profiles outside of you know it auto switching and whenever there's a lot of things uh, in the uh, xbox uh, uh game pass because it's not an EXE, it can't uh, hook into it because, of course, it can't, right? Right. Because fuck you, Microsoft, that's why. Indeed. Fuck you, Microsoft, that's why. And speaking of Microsoft, from one mm-hmm. thing to another, they uh, are building a new app store for Windows 10 in a major revitalization effort. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- this is uh, kind of a believe it when I see it, uh, because perfectly honest, uh, the Windows Store sucks. Having to deal with it for certain updates with uh, software or apps, as they like to call it now, because, of course, uh, my tower computer is a fucking phone with airplane mode, because, of course, they're right? Yep. Uh, uh, their app store, as they like to call it, is horrendous. You could search for the exact thing, and it's a gamble on it if it'll actually show up in the search results. Uh, there's been times that it'll just update and just hang. I, I just try to avoid it when I can, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I and, avoid and it. Is, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I uh, really like uh, the Xbox set, uh, Game Pass, but you know, whenever it has to update through that, it's just, okay, is it going to break this time, right? Yeah, is it going to work? And even if it does work, how long is it going to take? Yeah, there's been a couple times whenever it updated, it actually forgot all the install folders, and I had to go in and basically remember what was installed and essentially tell it to re-download, and then it looked in the folders and thought, oh, it's already here. Okay, well, cool. Thankfully, I kind of have a hacky solution to get into that folder to be able to poke around in and see what folders are there to be able to you know, grab the right games. But that's another you know, aspect of just games, uh, uh, Game Pass that I don't like is that they lock you out of a damn folder, but that's actually a, more of a Microsoft issue than Game Pass. Yeah. But um, I do agree with you. Like, I'll believe it when I see it, if they design a better app store or whatever. I yeah, mean, if they did, Microsoft has been a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, or whatever, whatever. Yeah, they- over the Xbox Store interface, that it, that's actually pretty solid. Um, make a few tweaks so that it's you know would work well with keyboard and mouse as opposed to a controller. But that's that store has got a pretty good layout. 
But uh, well, uh, in the article, they say there are three major changes for the new store. And the first one's the biggest one. Allow developers to submit unpackaged Win32 apps to the store. So no more, you know, uh, oh shoot, now I can't even think of the extension that they use for the Windows Store stuff, you know, the uh, what we're dealing with at Game Pass as well. Yeah, the Windows Universal something yeah. or other. WUP yeah, or... Yeah, essentially encrypted stuff to, you know, not be able to, you know, mod or, you know, uh, even look in the folders because sometimes whenever you have a game issue, uh, one of the solutions is, okay, well, just go into the uh, settings uh, file and change this. Well, can't with it, right? Yeah. UWP. I just, I just Googled it. Universal Windows Platform Apps. Fuck you, Microsoft. <laughs> Fuck you, Windows 10. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Microsoft could do both amazing stuff and then absolutely terrible stuff. Yeah. Microsoft uh, can't. Pretty much in the back-to-back breaths. Yeah. Microsoft can and has done some of the best shit around, but also can and has done some of the worst shit around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other two uh, is allow developers to host apps and updates on their own content delivery network so you don't have to deal with the Windows Store to get updates, potentially. And allow Mm -hmm. developers to use third-party conference platforms and apps. So... Uh, that one's more, you know, uh, a little worrisome because you're possibly dealing with, you know, currency outside of the Windows Store and, you know, bullshit, you know, you know tokens or whatever the hell in particular apps. But uh, it, it allows the option for different op- different commerce platforms. So possibly be able to use PayPal as well, though. That would be nice. I'm an old man and I exclusively use PayPal for things mm-hmm. online. It'd be nice to actually see you know, this come to fruition instead of you know, a lot of uh, promises and then, eh, well, it wasn't worth the effort. Yeah. All right. Well, that one went by pretty quick and easy. Um, that's it for our news topics. Yeah, like for this you, week. right? Yeah. I can be real quick. Wink. And very easy. Oh, yeah. Always. Um, so that brings us over to our community corner. Um no article submissions to talk about this week. We did get a couple of things, though. Um, let's see. In the general chat, Jim posted uh, a couple of free games. So with a, uh, if you create a PlayStation account, um, you can get Horizon Zero Dawn for free right now. Um, not quite sure if that's just for PS4. Like if you have a PS4 or we're looking to buy one, or if it also works for their PlayStation, uh, what is it? PlayStation, ne- yes, PlayStation now. now? Yeah. Their, their streaming service. If you get it with that too, I'm not sure about that, but regardless, if you were thinking about getting a PlayStation four, or if you have one, um, and you haven't went to go get this, um, you can get horizon zero dawn for free. And then also Jim, uh, posted, some indie games you can currently get for free right now uh, for, I guess this is more PlayStation stuff. Yeah. Let's see what's on here. Uh, Res Infinity, Abzu, The Witness, Enter the Gungeon, Subnautica, Moss, Astrobot, Paper Beast, and Thumper. I mean, some actually very good games. Yeah. Let's see. 
download free indie games and PSVR games starting March 25th. Um, yeah, this is they? an older one, but still active, it looks like. Looking to see when it ends. I don't see on here when it says... Oh, between... Okay, May 15th or May 14th. Uh, so you have about a month. Yeah, so you, yeah, yeah okay. you got about a month to do this stuff. So if you get to this a week or two late... Um, probably still have enough time to go grab all these games if you've got a PlayStation account or if you make one. Just pretty cool. Thank you very much, Jim, for sharing that with us. Uh, Rage, how can other people send stuff to us if they want to? Well, you can do so through email, vtrlpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us podcast on the Twitter or go over to vtrlpodcast.podbean.com and hit the link for the Discord. And you can do... Uh, you know, like Jim did, and drop a link in, well, uh, submissions and suggestions or general chat, or put it somewhere there, and we'll see it eventually, maybe. Yep. You can always just call our attention to it, and, you know, at us, and be like, hey guys, check this out for the show. Or, you know, other stuff. I mean, you could you could add us for other reasons. Like, if you post some spicy memes, or, uh, you know, Sweet, sweet, hardcore pornography. I'm okay with that. At me. And I don't know how Rage feels about having hardcore pornography linked to him, but I'm okay with it. You can at me. Well, I know some of the sh- uh, shit that you've shared before, and I, it, it scares and confuses me. <laughs> I'm sorry, right. but uh, you know, an airplane's supposed to be aerodynamic. Why, why should I have tits? Well, you see, the tits are there for buoyancy if it crashes into the water. It's a safety feature. Right. By so, the way, for anyone who is out of the loop on that long-running joke, just uh, Google aeromorphs at varying NSFW. So, uh, you know, be aware of that. But well, Maybe you should have mentioned that before. <laughs> but, but aeromorph. So, like, aerodynamic, but morph. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, doobly-doo? Yeah, let's doobly do for a discovery queue. And of course, sure. I have one right away, and it's already linked. Hailspire. Yeah, I'm looking at Aeromorphs now. Well, uh, you have other things to worry about right now, like a Dungeon Master D and D map slash game where you can build uh, essentially the D and D. Uh, your D and D creations and run a tabletop game through the uh, through this, and I gotta say it looks very very pretty <laughs> for what it is. Gonna look this up right now, and it looks like it has some very in depth uh, building mechanics as well to oh, be that's able to very- build your campaigns. Downside is it's twenty five bucks, and everybody needs a copy. I was gonna say, does everybody need a copy? Yes, mm, that's, yeah, that's that's expensive for my groups. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they don't plan on changing the price, at least. So maybe eventually uh, they'll uh, have a sale. Uh, that, that's one thing. This would have been perfect for you know buy uh, uh, a bulk uh, package of uh, keys and be able to handle hand them out. But that really hasn't been a thing in quite a while. Yeah, I was you know, gonna put, say I would love a bundle for this. I mean, this would be really good if you have uh, you know a group that's been spread to the four winds, right? Yeah, or groups like mine, like both our Star Wars RPG group and my vampire group, we all live in different parts of the country. I mean, we've been using Discord and stuff for, 
you know, a long time. There are some other services out there, but definitely none of them look as good as with this one. God, that's gorgeous. Yeah, and look at it in action as well, where it it, it has that feel of an actual tabletop as well. I love the way that the tokens move. Yeah, in uh, that trailer where uh, they're fighting the tentacle beast and all the tentacles are just kind of spinning in place to to simulate movement. Yeah. But they also show uh, building a camp and it's just really impressive just how in-depth it is in building a town. Uh, it's essentially Lego where you can just snap things together. But it looks like there's some morphing ability on the parts as well where you're not just stuck with individual parts. I can definitely see this uh, uh, going on sale being something to pick up uh, for a and d group. Yeah. But the problem is that, like I said, that price, that's very prohibitive. And also, I, I just... can see them doing a lot of DLC for additional parts or di- different uh, you know, game types. You know, do, you know... Sort of a generic, you know, uh, dark, you know, urban fantasy for, you know, the uh, vampire masquerade type stuff. But, you know, definitely not vampire the masquerade, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, I just posted a link to this in my uh, vampire the masquerade group. Mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, thoughts, question mark, and then the link. Yeah, that's very cool. I've been distracted looking at this, so I, let me get over here to my list. Thankfully, my first game on my list is one that's that looks neat. Um, it is Shores of the Unknown. Let me put the link there. So, uh, turn-based tactical RPG um, and a very cute, low-poly art style. Um, build a team of mercenaries and do turn-based combat. Um, looks very, very cool. I mean, I love turn-based tactical combat games. Um, looks like it's, uh, you know, there's going to be a decent story focus because there's mention here about the, the unknown fog and it's got like a sort of a Norse, um, aesthetic, at least to part of it. Um, which that, that seems to have, I guess, regrown in popularity here over the last few years. There's been a lot of Norse mythology stuff, a lot of Viking stuff, but this looks very cool. Like it's, it's very well up my alley. It's 20 bucks right now. Um, definitely uh, going to keep an eye on this one. Going to add it to my actual watch list, not just my wish, uh, wish list. Which is too big to comprehend. Yeah, my wish list is pointless, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real pain to try to buy you something because, you know, it's like, okay, are you actually interested in this or this is something that you just hit? Right. So, I, I nearly went over this, but, you know, I figure, considering the date... What the hell? Weed Shop 3. <laughs> 420 Blaze It! What, what? So, the sequel to Weed Shop 2, which was released in 2017, actually to pretty good reviews. I mean, it's uh, essentially a management game where you're building a weed shop. And there's some rather interesting characters in this game. Oof, right? Yeah. I mean, it's. I put it on more for a joke, but I mean, if you're interested in this sort of thing, there you go, right? Yeah. Um. Okay. So I got one. Empire of Ember. Um. I'm honestly still trying to figure out exactly what this is. So what it looks like, from what I can tell from the screenshots and the tags, you are a 
sorcerer of some kind and you you build a city and then you recruit an army to defend your city or to attack other cities and it's sort of a mix of like you're leading from the front but there's also some tactical and strategic stuff that you can do um like issuing issuing commands and there might be a way to pull out into like a a map view or an overhead view to issue some other types of commands it looks pretty neat it's early access um released about three weeks ago into early access unfortunately it's got mixed reviews and it's currently 25 bucks um hmm I like the idea of it. I like at least the initial presentation of it, but yeah, I, w- I would need to do a little bit of a deeper dive before I decided what I was actually going to do. Like if I was actually going to like consider purchasing it. It's a neat idea, but yeah, mixed reviews and kind of the roughness of of how it looks uh, in in motion and like their uh, you know preview videos and pictures and stuff. Maybe give it a little bit chance to develop a little farther and come back to it and look at it again later. Okay, so I got Emily is away. A, uh, a this is kind of reminds me a little bit of Hypnospace Outlaw, where it's a simulator for a very particular time of the internet. So this is 2008, back when Facebook was really starting to take off, and this is a. Uh, essentially a visual novel slash simulator where you're building up your social profile during your senior year of high school and it has branching paths. It has different uh, conversations with the NPCs and it's a simulator of, you know, that very particular time of the internet It is very, very interesting looking. And this just released a couple days ago to some actually really good response. This is, uh, I'm really impressed with this, uh, how it looks, it, assuming if, you know, plays as well. Yeah, build up your face nook, <laughs> right? Face nook. Face nook. Nice. Uh, uh, wall, customize your profile, send some friend requests to determine the outcome of your senior year. I mean, this has the very old Facebook <laughs> uh, feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah. I like it, though. I mean, that looks very impressive. I mean, I know this is a very niche title, but it it makes me happy to see games like this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I got uh, The Life and Suffering of Sir Bronte. Or Bront? Bronte? Uh, It's a narrative, like a choose-your-own-adventure style adventure that is a, a book. Like, it's artistically, like, looks like a book. There's little tabs coming out for choices and magic and things like that. It's got a very gothic, like dark gothic art style um, that the screen, at least the stuff that they're showing off looks like that these pages have been hand illustrated. Um, very like it's, I, I, I really like that sort of aesthetic. Um, but yeah, you know, the blurb is uh narrative RPG set in a gritty world ruled by real but unrelenting gods set out on a challenging lifetime journey where every choice has a price and entails consequence. So looks very cool. I love this sort of thing. 20 bucks. Uh, no idea if that's worth it or not. It would totally depend on how good the story is, but uh, definitely it's, it's presenting itself well for, you know, a good first impression. 
Okay, here is something weird. And I've never seen a game quite like this. Before your eyes. It uses a webcam to track your eye movement and blinks to help control the game. Okay. Interesting. Uh, It's a first-person narrative adventure, so likely very short, where you control the story and affect its outcomes with your real-life blinks. Uh, you It starts with your character's death and essentially going through their life in different memories. Now, they don't say exactly what the webcam is doing on this, though. They say for the full experience, blink uh, with blink interaction, be sure to use a webcam, but they don't say that it's required, so making me think that Yep, you get more out of it with a webcam, but it's not a requirement. Yeah. There's some very trippy screenshots on this one. So I got Cartel Tycoon. That sound, did you have that uh, before? Uh, let me take a look at it. It's It feels familiar. Yeah, yeah I think I had this a, a while back, but you could uh, put it on yours. Okay, so Cartel Tycoon, it is a uh, city builder type of strategy game where you are a drug cartel uh expand and conquer fight off rival cartels and evade the authority yeah i think i had it before it came out so yeah um i mean that's you know this looks neat i like management games um i like sort of mob mafia type of things uh um and so a cartel you know game would fit in there so, looks neat. I like the look of it. So, I got Total War, uh, Total War Rome remastered. Uh, I mean, it's a remaster of one of the more popular Total War games. I believe War uh, Rome is up there with uh, as one of the more popular ones, at least. Uh, and owners of the previous one gets a 50% off. I mean, it's still 15 bucks though, but... You know, the offer ends at the end of May and it comes out in eight days. So plenty of time to see if it's actually worthwhile picking up. I mean, honestly, uh, the Total War games, it, it really comes down to the AI. And sometimes the, the AI has not been all that great in these games, huh? Yeah. Let's see, remastered to 4K with multiple improvements to visuals as well as requirements to gameplay. So yeah, I mean, we'll see how this one comes out in uh, a week or so. I say the fire effects uh, look pretty good for you know, for a remaster at least. Yeah. Um. So I got Outcasts of Orion. I really like the like the look of this game. It's a described as a roguelike auto battler. It looks like you're sort of the manager of a team. Um. I don't know if it's just supposed to be like a professional fight arena or if you're a mercenary group or what, but like you're some kind of team leader or manager. And you recruit and train units, and you sort of set their strategic stuff, their their placement and their actions. And then once the actual battle starts, you can't do anything. You just have to watch and see if your strategic decisions and you know strategies have paid off. And if they win, it seems like you get to move forward in whatever you know it's using as like its way to progress. Um, like the screenshots make me think like there's some kind of like fight league or something um but no idea if that's actually true or not it doesn't say but uh 
you know, and if you make good decisions and you keep moving on, then you get to keep moving on. And if you screw up and your people die, it's like that's the end of your run and you get a new run. So, but I, I like the look of this. I, I like, it's an idea that I haven't seen done too many times. Um, and it's sci-fi and everyone who's here listening to me knows how much I like sci-fi. So, and it's cheap too. It's only eight bucks. Man, that's that's making me want to impulse buy. <laughs> I'll think about it. Looks cool. So I got Saga Frontier remastered. Another remaster on my uh, queue. Uh, this is a remaster of uh, the 1998 RPG classic Saga Frontiers, which was a PlayStation 1 game. I mean, definitely could see the age on some of these screenshots, but it doesn't look terrible. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so sci-fi RPG, which is already, uh, uh, yes, please. Right. Yeah. Yes, please. Uh, where you play one of several protagonists. It looks like they also, uh, uh, restored some cut content that was, uh, in the port. So, uh, if you played the original, there's also a reason to pick it up as well. Some people were saying that was an underrated gem and well worth uh, checking out. 25 bucks, not too expensive, but uh, it is an RPG, so yeah, a lot of hours of content if you could get into it. Yeah. So I got uh, Resident Evil Vampire Mommy. Um, oh boy. Uh, is she going to step on you? She's going to step on me. Also known as Resident Evil Village. Um, and then they used Village to do the Roman numerals for 8, which is V-I-I-I. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's the next Resident Evil game, uh, with the vampire mommy and that is supposed to be a lot more like Resident Evil seven, like the first person, like really super focused on the horror, um, you know, sort of the first person, uh, oh, like Cthulhu-esque horror stuff that showed up in Resident Evil seven. I mean, not up my alley at all. Nothing other than Vampire Mommy is attractive about this game to me at all. And I hate being scared. So even Vampire Mommy is not enough to get me in unless I find out that the breasts are exposed for my pleasure. In which case, all right, you got me. But, you know, I mean, you already know if you like this type of game and whether or not you're going to buy it or at least be on the lookout to see if it's good in order to buy it. So... You don't need my recommendation or lack thereof. So while we're on horror and, uh, well, undead, I got Days Gone. So coming to PC in three weeks, uh, which honestly, it didn't really make that much of a splash on PlayStation from uh, everything I recall. It was kind of clunky. It didn't really uh, hit the right notes. So we'll see if uh, PC does a, a bit better for it. I have, so a lot of the issues I remember people talking about with Days Gone is that the PS4 just couldn't handle the zombie hordes and stuff. Yeah, because so- they, I, I, that's the one thing I remember was just the number of zombies that they were throwing at you. But that and uh, the uh, uh, the player character kept on yelling, come on, all during the E3 trailer. Yeah. So uh, assuming that's uh, yeah, well optimized, it could be... Yeah, this could be the definitive edition for it. Yeah. Um, I liked the idea of of Days Gone. Just a zombie survival kind of horde, you know, murder game with some light RPG elements. Like, I like the idea of that to play, you know, when I'm just, like, 
chilling out, not really looking for anything specific or directed to do. But I mean, it would have to be, you know, good to be worth it. Good, well, the port would have to be good. Um, I got one that you've had before. Um, I, I remember you talking about it, and also like it's on your wish list. I guess I didn't add it to my wish list. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have seen it. It's Voxel Tycoon management sim. Will you build a, a factory in a yes. quote, infinite voxel world? Like, what's not to love for me? Set up supply chains and passenger routes with trains and trucks and buses. I'm. I mean, I'm there. Twenty five bucks. I'll. I'll be there soon. So I got across the obelisk, a co-op or co-op possible deck building RPG, uh, roguelite, uh, roguelite. Yeah. Play solo or with friends though. I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, cross pollinization with these games now. So this looks very derivative with all the others. The big cook for this one, it feels like is what well, one it looks like they offer a lot more classes than uh, what they typically offer in the other ones but also the op uh, the opportunity to do co-op uh, uh well, co-op multiplayer uh, in a deck builder like this but you're controlling individual units so i'm not sure how it actually works i mean it, it looks like it could be a lot of fun though yeah um this is another one that i've got that feels familiar you might have had it in a previous week. Strike Team Gladius. Oh, good uh, like, uh, okay, there you go. It's a sci-fi... Uh, Pretty sure I've had that one. Turn-based strategy RPG. Um, I mean, I'm... Like, again, like, all of the tags that make me happy. Sci-fi, turn-based, or tactical RPG, strategy RPG, turn-based, like... Mwah. Um, you land your team and fight aliens to save a, a, a human colony so that one you know, doesn't look like it's on the discovery queue list but uh, i could have missed uh, putting on a, a week's uh, worth of stuff though yeah who knows it's possible that it just feels familiar to something else i've seen before mm-hmm. but according to this it's got 40 combat missions for the main campaign with special missions and you know grow your team get you equip them with unique weapons and classes or and, and recruit unique classes, like et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm all about this. This is another one that I'm there for. Yeah. I'm just looking at this one real quick. All right. I am yeah, done. This is my last one. Yeah. My last couple were ones that you already pulled this week. Uh, I also got, hmm. uh, Emily is away and, uh, total war Rome remastered. Yeah, still getting used to this keyboard. I keep hitting the wrong thing. So I'm kind of doing a stretch on this one because, eh. Uh, but Arlick, the Lost Kingdom. Uh, essentially a town builder survival game where you, you know, fill it up with friends uh, and build villages to manage your production lines. Uh, I know. Yes, please. Right. Yep. Uh, it looks like there. It's a little light on content, but it's also early access still. But twenty bucks is a bit much to bite into for something that looks like it's still very shallow. And considering they say, uh, I expect the game to uh, be an early access version until the balance of the game is stabilized and all factions, orc, elf, dwarf, mage, 
uh, troll characters and buildings have been added completely. I expect everything to be done by 2025. At least they're honest, right? Yeah. So, uh, see you in 2030 when uh, you get the It's Still on Early Access Award, right? Indeed. But yeah, that was the last one on mine. I had a essentially a porn RPG. I mean, it didn't look terrible, but eh, there was oof. Yeah, right? I had one porn game that was not an RPG, but it was very low effort, not worth mentioning. It actually looked uh, somewhat decent. I mean, by all the standards, right? Right. But also early access, and right? Yep. So that is it for the doobly-doo. Indeed. And the discovery queue. Indeed. And hey, Ray. some actually good pulls this week. Yeah, I had like eight? That's insane for me. That's insanely good. But anyways, hey, Rage, hit him with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter occasionally, uh, Gaming with CR. Or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, you can find me Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for that. On Twitter, at JMA4707. And you can be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to jarthur4707. And if you're a slim, know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from. Password for this week is Blazin. Blazin. Is this the first time that we've hit uh, uh, on 420? I think so. Because, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is... I'm, I'm pretty positive this is the first time we have uh, recorded on 420, at least. Mm-hmm. So there is that, which is nice. Indeed. So, once again, you could contact us via your podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gamer layer topics. Premium to us, beat your podcast, or drop them in the Discord. You can find a link to that over at bgopodcast.podbean.com. The, the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff. Or if you were to spread the love, you could do so uh, by pointing to your friends, uh, uh, pointing your friends to the, your podcatcher of choice. Because I think we're pretty much everywhere these days, right? I think so. Unless it's broken again, right? Which is always possible. Yeah. And our lovely, lovely patrons, we cannot forget them. They make this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod, and our Discovery Q music is doobly doo by the same artist. And both of which can be found at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice... Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.